Hey elevators, be sure to mark your calendars for February 24th. That is the day that Elevate Your 8 is making a structural and subject matter transition. I'm not going to tell you all of the details now, just know that it's going to be an extraordinary change to the show and I think you're going to absolutely love it. Oh darling elevators, if you are struggling with the day job, your daily productivity, or your nightly slumber, I would love to help you out and feature you right here on this show. Go to chrismcpeak.com forward slash hot seat and schedule your free Elevate Your 8 strategy session. Past success stories include college grads developing an at-home routine and furloughed folks finding their way back to work. These fill up super fast, so go to chrismcpeak.com forward slash hot seat to schedule your strategy session today. And now, onto this week's episode. You're listening to the Elevate Your 8 podcast, the easily digestible lifestyle show that empowers you to live your happiest, most productive life so you can achieve time freedom. Productivity is just a matter of simple mathematics and prioritization. Honor your work-life balance by working only eight hours a day. Honor your health and wellness by sleeping eight hours every night. Once you figure that out, the rest is gravy, or Jolly Ranchers if ever you prefer. If you're ready for a healthy helping of life-changing wisdom with a side of quirkiness, you're in the right place. Here's your host, dairy-free, karaoke-crazy, future 200-breaststroke national champion, Chris McPeak. Okay, peeps, welcome back to another amazing episode of the Elevate Your 8 podcast. I'm super excited to have this guest on today because he's not only a former colleague and employee of mine, he's a very, very dear friend. And I think this is like the closest, bestest friend I've had on this show to date. Um, So everybody say hi to my good friend, Mark R. Martell, who is the director of the Asian American Resource and Culture Center at University of Illinois, Chicago. DQ, Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Chris. Happy to be here. Uh, it's been a while since we've seen each other's faces, but I know nice. it has been a while. Virtual connecting anytime over no connecting at all. So, okay, our relationship spans now almost almost two decades to the day, which kind of blows my mind. Um, mm-hmm. So we both got our careers in college housing. So let's talk a little bit about kind of what you did in your education, where housing fell into place for you and how you've worked your way up to this directorship in a more of a inclusion field, I think, student support. Yeah, so I think it was happenstance on how I got into the field. Um, I never really knew about, you said, like you said, housing or student affairs. It wasn't until I started hanging out with a friend of mine who was a resident assistant um, and she was doing that as her job. And I was like, what is this about? And then she just exposed me to it. And one day I was like, I'm gonna apply for a role and became an RA uh, while while I was still in my master's program. Um, And then it was maybe my second year of my master's program when I, uh, realized that I really wanted to pursue this professionally. Um, and I had an opportunity to become a graduate assistant for 
the housing program. And from there, I just started kind of paving my way into what I, uh, what I would consider as a career once I graduated from a master's program. Now, mind you, my alma mater didn't have a higher ed program then, um, but you know, I still continued with a master's in linguistics and pursued um, the, the role of uh, housing, which I got a, a full-time job right out of grad school. And eventually that's where I met you. Yep. Was that your first gig out of, out of grad school? Was it UIC? It, it oh was, my gosh, yeah. It's mind yeah. blowing. So uh, linguistics is not sort of the degree that most higher ed people think of like, well, I'm going to study linguistics and then I'm going to go work in a residence hall. So what were you initially planning to do? I think initially what I was planning to do was going into law school, <laughs> wow. just because that's what most uh, people who go into law study, like legalese or yeah. contracts or the law. And a lot of that is through interpretation or analyzation of language. So, um, and that was actually a question I asked my advisor back then was, mm -hmm. what can I do with, with linguistics, right? I've always enjoyed learning languages. Um, uh, dissecting languages. Um, right. and, and a lot of my interest was more social linguistics and how mm -hmm. uh, language plays in society or in certain cultures. So um, I think that was really what I was interested in at that time. And then little by little, I realized if I had the opportunity, I would have probably had done a student personnel. Wow. I'm trying to picture you in law school and and it's interesting. <laughs> you know, um, it's something I could still consider. So. That's very true. That's very uh -huh. true. Now, so I left UIC before you did and you stayed on a couple more years, but I want to say that you moved to the Career Center next. Well, I, I did have a gap where I did semester, semester at, C. at C. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And then I did uh, so, uh, social services where I helped homeless people or recently released people back to, to get back into the workplace or go back to school. Mm -hmm. um, and then I became uh, in the career advising field where okay. I help students uh, with part-time jobs, internships, and I advise them on career paths and also uh, graduate school options. Uh -huh. So let's go back for a second. For people who sure. aren't aware of what Semester at Sea is, what, uh, how does one do that, get involved in it, et cetera? Yeah, so Semester at Sea is a floating university program where students and faculty and staff, basically a university, mm -hmm. is on a ship for a semester. Um, and for me, we circumnavigated the world, uh, I want to say clockwise, uh, and we visited 10 different countries um, in, in a semester, so 100 days. And um, how does one get to it? Well, it's a, a, a application process like mm -hmm. any job that you would apply for, but I had to apply about a year ahead to see I would even if to see if I would even be considered for a certain voyage. Right. Um, and eventually I, I got offered um, and I was basically a resident director on a ship and there's different roles that one one could apply for. I could now apply to be a faculty on there. Of course, I have a feeling the program's kind of on hiatus because of I, the I pandemic. Yeah. yeah, so um, yeah, so it's just a matter of applying and then interviewing and then definitely going on the voyage. Uh, and you did it as a student as well. So you had, no. you had 
Oh, you weren't a student. Mm -hmm. I just don't know why I thought you did it as a student too. No, I was, I was kind of introduced to the idea when I was still a student, but I've okay. always wanted to do it as one of my goals was to do the program as a, a professional. Yeah. I think, I think back to being in college myself and, and where I went to school either. Well, it's not that those things didn't exist then. I just wasn't made aware of it. And I think like, that's something I really wish I had done when I was younger, because the reality of doing it now seems really difficult. Um, just given given where we are and, and what I do. I don't know. You're making yeah. a face at me like, well, Christian, no, I, I, think you could, <laughs> I think you could still do it. They have administrative roles that yeah. I think would welcome your work and experience. So could you, what do you doable. think of Charles being on a boat for a hundred days you, with a bunch of you, students? <laughs> you could bring your significant other with yeah. you. Uh, yeah. And they could either work on the ship as an employee or they just lounge around and yeah, enjoy the ocean. Out. Just hang out. Yeah, <laughs> drink and you, all day. Um, you, uh, you said it was a clockwise trip. So yeah. I'm trying to remember all the places that you went because you would you would send postcards and then you sent me a little yes. package at the end. Yeah, and all kinds so of in we started out in Seattle. No, no, I lie. It was supposedly in Seattle. It started out in Vancouver. Okay. And then we went to Kobe, Japan. Um, and then from there, uh, um, Beijing, China, and then Hong Kong, mm -hmm. and then Vietnam, Thailand, Brazil. Oh, wow. No, no, no. I lie. I lie. I'm forgetting the, the, the order here. Um, Thailand, India, um, South Africa, and then uh, Tanzania, Brazil, and then Cuba. And then we ported back to uh, the States in Florida. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Yeah. I remember no, some of those countries just based on yeah. the, the gifts you sent me. <laughs> and each voyage is, is different. So yeah. some go counterclockwise, some go to different uh, routes. Right. So um, so someone could just go to semesteratsea.com if that was something they were interested in pursuing, yes? Yes, as a student and also as an employee. Yeah, of course, if you're going to work on the ship, you, you know, you may you may want to have relevant experience uh, mm -hmm. and the time because it's going to be, you know, a whole semester where yeah. you're not in your normal route or of things or normal workspace, uh, workplace. Um, but yes, semester at sea. Um, okay, so then you're you're back on campus. You did the social services for a while, and then so what was your role in the career center? Were you doing placement or advising? What was what was that like? Yeah, so the first year was um, uh, helping students with internships and part time jobs, um, okay. whether on or off campus, and that was where I basically uh, did a lot of employer relations and uh, got companies to post part-time internship positions so that our students who are seeking those could apply for that. And then eventually a year or so later, I had an opportunity to be uh, a career advisor where I helped uh, liberal arts students uh, find uh, their next step after graduation, whether it's professional or graduate school. Um, so I did that for almost 10 years total before Was I became- Was it really 10 years? Yeah, oh my yeah. God. Wow. Before before I became a director of a cultural center. 
So in that decade then is when you worked on your terminal degree. Yes. yes. And you have a, I want to say it, you have a PhD in urban studies. Uh, a PhD in educational policy studies. Okay. Okay. So first of all, um, I have so many questions about the degree thing. Like when you're working full time and you're trying to get a doctorate, um, the, the vastness of the, um, just the, what's the word I'm looking for? my linguistic friend. Um, it, it's a huge undertaking. Um, it's a time thing. It's a mental thing. It's a psychological thing. It's a educational thing. You're challenged on all different, all different sides. So I guess my first question is, um, like why, how did you settle on that program and how did you have to restructure things in your day job, in your downtime, in your social life, all of the things like, what was sure. that like coming to that conclusion that this is what I'm going to do for the next, whatever, three, four, five years of my life. Yeah. 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 Well, for me, remember I went part-time, so it was more than three or four years. Yeah. Uh, it actually was about nine years for me to complete everything because yeah. I only took one course at a time and then okay. eventually doubled up while working full-time and doing other things. Um, well, I think to answer your question of how I got to that decision is definitely kind of doing some sort of um, research on what my interests are, but also what programs were available. Mm -hmm. um, originally, I wasn't sure what, what I was going to do. So I considered English, I considered sociology, I considered anthropology. But how this ties into the time um, question you had is... Mm -hmm. Um, some of those programs only uh, offered classes during the day. So right. working full time, that was hard for me. So then when I found out about um, education as an option, I then uh, found out that their courses were all at 5 p.m. or later. So that worked perfectly with my schedule, you know, working an 8.30 to 5 job. Right. I could just physically go to the class right after then. So I think that was helpful. And that then really um, made me realize, okay, well, if I was interested in a certain topic, can I explore that in this specific, specific uh, discipline? Yeah. Uh, and education was, yes, I was able to do it. So I think that's how it kind of matched. But I think with um, the timeline of working full time, I had to basically be realistic on what I could do, right? Now, mind you, that was what, about 13 years ago when I started the program. I was younger then, so I had more energy. Sure. <laughs> um, I you know, may not have had, had a job that was as demanding as it is now. Right. Um, I also didn't have additional responsibilities, right? Like life and family demands. Um, so I think if you, if one were considering something like this, you really have to consider what are your other responsibility, your time commitments. Yeah. And for me, I knew 8.30 to five, Monday through Friday, I would be working. And then maybe Tuesday, Thursdays I had classes or Monday, Wednesdays I had classes had Friday off and the weekends off. So that then impacted my social life, right? Sure. So you mentioned, well, what do, how do you balance your social life? Well, I had to learn how to say no. 
Right. Um, I would get invites for after work parties or engagements. And I said, oh, I can't I have class or I can't, I'm studying. Mm-hmm. Um, and, or even on the weekend saying, hey, do you want to hang out? Well, I made a rule with my friends that I would need two weeks notice advance. If, if there's something <laughs> that you want me to attend, it would have to be something very important, like a wedding, a birthday, you know, yeah. versus, hey, let's just hang out. Well, sure, we could hang out, but I might be writing or reading while we're hanging out. Or if we are going to have a social event, I would need a heads up ahead of time before I could even consider attending. So my social life did definitely take a back seat when it came to when I did my program. And that's something that unfortunately got impacted um, because uh, the reality is I just didn't have a social life while I was still in school. Yeah. And I, you know, that's one of the interesting things about in housing, at least nine times out of 10, if you're, if you're in an advanced degree program, when you're working in college housing, there's probably maybe two or three other people in the department that might very well be in the same program that you're in. Um, I think it's, I think it's different in other areas of, um, of higher education. I don't know if you have come across that yourself or like did you know people in your program from from the campus yeah I mean there were people that worked on campus and also were my classmates but there were people that worked like k-12 to um or was in like the public sector um so there were all uh, working professionals that from nine to five they would work and then come to campus for their class got it and you chose the PhD route over the EDD route, and and why was that? Yeah, so in reality, there isn't really much of a difference. You're going to be called a doctor no matter what. Right. Um, and, you know, there's some sort of like cultural elitism to it when it comes to uh, whether you're a PhD or EDD. Um, but the reality is the program that I offer, uh, that, that was offered, um, only had a PhD in the in the focus that I was looking at. Got it. There was an EDD route, but that wasn't the track that I was going into. Mm-hmm. So, um, and most EDDs tend to be more like practitioners. Right. Um, um, I would say even like um, K to twelve um, executive um, level yeah. folks versus PhD tend to be more like university level, but I also knew I wanted to be uh, an instructor mm-hmm. uh, and be a professor and teach. And most uh, professors have a, a PhD just because with a PhD, you tend to write a dissertation. Mm-hmm. With an EDD, you tend to do more of a, a like a capstone project. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you end up writing almost the same amount, but uh, the, the, the deliverables are different. Yeah. Yeah. Like the dissertation is going to wind up in a library someday and some future students going to pull it out and use it to write their, their term paper or something. I always, <laughs> I always remember when I was a student, um, that the, the dissertation books looked different than any of the other books. Cause they were like, very, they were specially bound, um, by the, the campus. At least that's yeah. what I remember from well, being it. Arkansas. Unfortunately, mine's just digital. They they, they don't they don't do the the, the hard copy bound, yeah. bound uh, oh, anymore. Just libraries. It's all online now. And the funny thing is, today I got an email from a student that I'm advising, and she's doing a similar uh, topic to, to her research that I did, and 
And she goes, yeah, I'm read currently reading your chapters one, two, three of your dissertation. Uh, and I wrote back, I hope you stayed awake. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I would imagine anything that you were going to write, Mark, is going to be fun and entertaining because that's just who you are. Oh, let's, let's hope she finds it fun and entertaining. Yeah. Okay. So then you've finished your degree and you're now Dr. Drama Queen. I mean, I'm sorry, Dr. Mark Martell. And now you, you run your own office, you run your own department. So what, um, what has that been like to, you know, be the boss where the buck stops? Yeah, you know, I love my job and I love what I do. Um, I'm now in what I call cultural affairs. So okay. we engage folks in a, using a cultural lens, mm -hmm. uh, specifically Asian American lens. Um, and I was in this role, I would say, a year before I graduated from my PhD program. So, okay. you know, if, you, if we bring up the topic of time again, Yes. Um, you know, one of the advice I was given by uh -huh. someone in, in, you know, who I, I admire and had done a PhD and kind of bounced off ideas with her. Uh, one advice that she had given me was finish your dissertation before you start a new job. <laughs> well, ah, I didn't. Okay. I didn't take that advice because <laughs> I think at that time I, um, yeah, I started this new job. And I think even when I started this new job, I was also uh, one of the uh, projects that we were doing with, with a team I was involved in was writing a grant. Oh and my God. In addition to writing a grant, being a director full-time and then um, <clears throat> finishing my own dissertation. Right. Yeah, it, you know, know when the timing is right. Um, um, and starting a new job is, is not easy, right? I remember yeah. when I first started this new role, I was in the office till eight o'clock at night just yeah. because, it, you know, you're learning something new. There was stuff. So, it, yeah, it, it was hard, but, I, you know, I love what I do. I love supervising, you know, staff, full-time staff, um, you know, students, staff, and then just making sure that the, the, the mission of the center is met through the work that we do. Um, and then, you know, having the opportunity to teach as well. Yeah, I was gonna uh, ask you about that next. Does that come yeah. with the job or was that just something where you now you the, have the credentials so I'm gonna pursue the opportunities? Yeah, you know, it's also something I negotiated uh, when okay. I, interviewed for the job was I awesome. wanted to teach a course um, and opportunities did land on my, you know, on my lap when I was asked to teach courses using comic books. And that's something that I teach. Um, and then I also teach in global Asian studies. So it, it utilizes a lot of the research that I do um, or did. Um, and I also teach in the College of Education where I'm an, uh, an alumnus. So, um, it was something that I think because I shifted from student affairs to then academic affairs, uh, it's just part of the, the expectations is yeah. you're in academic affairs, you should know what's happening in academia. So um, I'm thankful that this role or at least my campus allows that. Yeah. Um, okay. So with the brief hiatus that you took to be on a ship for a semester, um, you've spent your entire professional career at one institution, which, which these days is almost unheard of. Um, 
Do you feel like it was right place, right time where the opportunities came to you that you wanted? Or was it something like, I, I just, I don't want to move to another institution because I like where I am. Like what, what was the decision-making process behind that? Yeah. So I think it's multifaceted, right? Um, because remember I did leave to do semester at sea and I right. had to basically apply again to be yeah, part that's of true. the university. You didn't know so, necessarily that you were going to come back to. Yeah. I think for me, it's just knowing the campus and how it works and the people that work there and the type of students that go there is what really makes me want to stay, right? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I physically, or at least according to HR, I've been there about a total of 20 years, right? Um, and not many people would probably say, hey, you know, I did that. Um, yeah. And I could probably stay for another 10 more years, you know, um, and then retire. Right. Um, I don't know. I just enjoy the campus. I enjoy my colleagues. I enjoy the students. I enjoy what I do. The type of work that I do is something that I really value. So I think that is something that, you know, you have to consider if you want to stay at a place long. Yeah. Um, because if, if I didn't, I wouldn't be there. I would probably right. be somewhere else. Yeah. Um, oh God, I had a thought and I lost it. Do you think, um, do you see yourself retiring from this position or do you see yourself doing something more in uh, senior administration management, that type of thing? Yeah, I wouldn't do, mind doing one more step up and I wanna remain in diversity and inclusion mm -hmm. in some capacity. I don't know if I want to be like the head honcho. I think that has too 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 much you know stress and responsibility and demand. Mm -hmm. uh, I like where I am, but I feel like the the higher I go, the less student interaction I'll have. So that's and I love working with students. So that's yeah. why I like where I am because it provides that mixture. Um, so I wouldn't mind staying in my current role till I retire because I, I, I like it. Genuinely so, adore it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel the yeah. same way. I've told my boss a number of times since I started this gig, like I will not, I will not have another full-time job in my lifetime. It will be this one yeah. until you fire me or I can re retire appropriately. <laughs> so. And I think I echo that. I think, um, you know, unless they let me go or I retire on my own, yeah. I will be here. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So let's talk about some fun stuff. Um, okay. We were able to sort of build our friendship on a love of some things. Um, one of those is karaoke and music. So do you, do you still get out to sing from time to time mm. or well, how are you, how are you exercising that, um, that passion of yours? Yeah, you know, with the pandemic, of course, um, right. you can't yeah. really Not now. <laughs> be, be at a bar doing karaoke. I wish someone had created some sort of like a you know, socially distance safe karaoke um, setup, but I have yet to see that. But I have been seeing a lot of virtual karaoke. I don't know if you mm -hmm. participated in that, um, but I don't feel that that's true it's, karaoke. It's, it's not, not the, the same. same. <laughs> no, it's not. Like I want an audience. I want people clapping or ignoring you. me, you know, <laughs> right. depending on the song, they may not even pay attention. Like I want 
people. And, and, you know, if you, you know, like I remember when I went to on semester C, we went to Japan and we actually went to a karaoke bar, but it was different because you had a private room yeah. versus an open bar. No, I want open bar. I want an audience, you know, yeah. I want strangers. Um, no, I haven't had a chance. And actually uh, my staff is uh, trying to do like end of the year gathering. And one of the options is a virtual karaoke. Uh-huh. Uh, and I didn't vote for that because number one for me, <laughs> I, I don't want my staff to know that I could sing or that I do carry these to me. That's just something I do on my own, you know, and then okay. I, I don't want to have to perform for them. Like for yeah. me, I'm doing it because I enjoy it. Right. So yeah. How about you? Have you partake in any of that? Um, oh my gosh. It's been a while. I'm trying to think when's the last time I did karaoke. And I, I don't even think I could, I think it was when you were here. It might've been when you were here at the Boulevard. Wow, yeah. That's, that's been, that's a been a really while. long time. Yeah. I can't even fit in that blouse anymore. <laughs> I have a picture. I have that picture in a frame up here um, over, the, over the mantle. Yeah. Um, you've done musical theater too. I had the, the honor of seeing you do Miss Saigon at the, um, the Sabre Room in Chicago, <laughs> which God, is weird, by awful. the way. Charles and I almost had our wedding reception there, um, which just cracks me up. But um, so, yeah. So when was the last time that you did a, a play or a, a musical? It's been a while. The last one I did was Rent. That was my first, uh, last was, one. That was, that was uh, 10 years ago. And that was your dream role, right? You were Angel. That was my dream role. Yeah, yeah. I did Angel. Yeah. Miss Saigon and, and Rent were my two bookend uh, yeah. shows that I'm I happy I did. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was my dream role. And, and I really, I, I think about it. I dream about it. I mean, I feel like I'm too old for that role now. So if I were to do theater again, I'd probably do like a more mature role, maybe a, a father role or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, but I do, I do. I miss musical theater. Um, yeah. I just, you know, I, I miss singing just in, yeah. in general. I do too. I have playlists on my phone that if I, it's like, I'm not feeling a podcast or an audiobook today. So what do I feel like singing in my car? Um, and I do that a lot. Um, mm. and then we always would go to movies together. So I don't, I don't know if they've got theaters open for you uh, where you guys are. All now. these things are closed that we used to do. Um, I think theaters are limited right now. I don't know. Yeah. I haven't been to one in a while. Yeah. So yeah, everything's streaming now. And, you know, now, you know, a lot are going to be dropped into streaming services. Yeah. So. yeah. I'm uh, everything. Every movie theater in California is closed. There's nothing open here. Um, yeah. So that's that's depressing. And I have yes. not I have not jumped into the like I'm going to pay twenty five dollars for a, you know, a theater movie at home. I find that I'm watching a lot more television that I've watched before, mostly because I just want, I feel like I need something familiar. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, Normalcy. I've, I've, yeah. I, I've watched Reservoir Dogs like three times in the last two weeks. That's, for, that's for an no, odd choice. I know it is an odd choice. It was, you know, here's the Amazon uh, and I'm just flipping through and I'm like, no, I don't want to watch that. I don't want to watch that. Okay. Well, this looks okay. And then I sometimes yeah. just get sucked in and it's like the a familiar feeling of a movie that I know well. I don't know what's and not that everyone would choose a Quentin Tarantino movie. Probably they would choose a musical or something like The Notebook, but no, not or me. like Moulin Rouge. Right. Oh my gosh. So yeah, let's talk about Moulin Rouge for a second. Yes. I can't 
I do not, I cannot listen to any Moulin Rouge songs without seeing your face in that picture and my face in the picture next to it. And I will tell you that when I, if I ever hear it, um, I hear the lyrics and I'm like, those are not the lyrics. That is not how Mark and I sing it. Um, because we made it, we made it our own. Um, we did, we were our own satine and, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, wow. and, and you, you know, I think um, the musical version, the stage musical version has oh, yeah. changed some stuff too. So who knows? We'll, yeah. we'll have to see that once it's available yes. you know, and safe for yeah. people to go to theaters again. So. Yeah. Oh, I would love that. Yeah. Was, uh, both of Because we were planning, we were planning to go see it, remember? For your birthday, you were coming here in oh, January. Right. To, uh, because to it was coming here in Chicago. Yeah. And, why didn't I think I it's still coming, but I don't know when. I really want to see, um, I want to see Jagged Little Pill. <gasps> I do too. Did you watch NBC had a special with all like shows? No. Yeah. It might be on Hulu, but um, they showed one of the scenes from Jagged and it's beautiful. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I would mean, love to see it. That's like one of the greatest female albums to come out of the 1990s and oh yeah yeah i uh i think that would be 25 like years from what i heard i know it's yeah. insane well it definitely yeah. it uh it mirrors charles and i's uh wedding anniversary because it came out the year after we got married oh. um, and then i i always think of our our second wedding that we had in Chicago when i hear that record because it was very popular when when we were up there for um for our, our ceremony that was not at the Sabre Room, but was almost at the Sabre Room. <laughs> oh, how funny. Okay, yeah, they, they showed a scene last night um, uh, using uh, You Live, You Learn. Yeah. Yeah, and it reminded me of Rent because I guess it takes place in New York. So. Okay, yeah, I think it's, mm -hmm. I mean, the plot I think is a is a survivor of sexual assault, I think. Oh, okay. um, no, I'm not sure, yeah, I'm not sure. A, I mean, Alanis doesn't write uplifting songs, so it's no. not a happy play. <laughs> she writes very angry, angry yeah. songs. Yeah. Um, did you ever get to go see Six when it when it was? No, playing? no. That... I think it, that was that was one of the shows that kind of just ended because of the the pandemic. Oh, okay. Well, I got to when I came last summer for my family reunion. Um, Corky, my stepmom, took me, and uh, and that was that show is amazing. I you would you would love it because okay yeah it's uh -huh. it, I mean it's on the based on the lives of all of Henry the Eighth's wives, mm -hmm. and it's it's portrayed like it's sort of a contest like which wife had it the worst, and they sing, and the, the idea is like they're going to perform for the audience. So who's oh, singing wow. the best song about the worst story? <laughs> um, but it's it's so fun. It's such a okay. Fun. Um, okay, so let's see. Let's do some rapid fire, okay. um, and we'll pull we'll pull some some music stuff into this too. And I'm going to make some of these up as I go, so just bear with me. Okay. Um, would you rather drink red wine or white wine? Red wine. Would you rather eat a donut or a cupcake? Mm. Donut. Okay. Would you rather, or okay, which deep dish restaurant in Chicago makes the best pizza? Which chain restaurant in Chicago makes the best deep dish pizza? Uh, Luminati's. Luminati's? I've never heard yeah. of that. Yeah, they're up here up north. Ah, okay. I'll have to check that out. Um, 
well, let's see. What famous movie star from musicals would you like to meet? What famous musical star would you like to meet? Musical star like in Broadway? Broadway or somebody that's done um, musicals. Oh, movie music? Yeah. Okay. Um, probably Leia Salonga, just because of her history with Miss Sagan and her being Filipina. Okay, very nice. Um, okay, we'll shift a little bit for, are you uh, DC or um, Marvel? <laughs> DC. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I don't know why I asked you that because I know the answer. Um, let's see. Um, who, the best cover song you ever heard? Ooh, cover song. Um, gosh, I, I, I don't know if if there is one that I like, I just listen to like music and just, I don't know there. I recently I've seen, um, it's more Christmas songs just because oh. of the holiday. <laughs> right. But there, there has been just uh, like more, I like more like the jazzy Christmas songs yeah. that, that they transform. So I would just say those Christmas those songs just because of the holiday. Okay. Well, for now, yeah. What's your favorite ballad to perform at karaoke? Um, I guess if it's if it counts as a ballad, I don't know if it does, but uh, Feeling Good by Michael Buble. Okay, and you do that yeah. one very well. Thank you. Um, your favorite pop song to sing at karaoke? Pop song. Poppy, fun, Whoa. upbeat. Oh God, well, it's been forever. And has anything <laughs> come out lately? I don't even know what the music oh, I, industry. Yeah. So think think back to the good old days. Think back to the North End days. What were your favorite tunes to sing at the North End? The upbeat ones. The upbeat one, you know what? It's a, it's, it's too high in my register is um, uh, Walking on Sunshine. By Katrina and the Waves? Oh my gosh. Yeah, from the totally 80s. Fun. Yeah. 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 It's a fun song. Yeah, you just tell the DJ to... Take the lower it down, lower the octaves. Yeah. Yeah. If they um, could, you know how some DJs. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're, they're not as great as, as you. So. <laughs> we had a good time. That show was like my entire social life for 18 months. I swear to God. Um, okay. Would you rather eat <laughs> at a, at a, um, at a Commons West barbecue, would you rather eat a hamburger, a hot dog, or a veggie burger? <laughs> well, because I rarely eat meat now, I'll say veggie burger. Nobody else is going to get that except like maybe maybe Chris Dice. <laughs> You're the only person in the world that will get that joke. Um, let's see. If you were on a road trip and it was late at night and there was one exit and you had to exit to go to the bathroom and get gas. What fast food restaurant are you hoping is at that exit? Burger King, because I like their fries. Okay, fair enough. Um, if you're at karaoke, what are you ordering to drink? Vodka soda with a lime. Vodka soda, is that a new thing? Yeah, I just, it's my go-to drink now, just because I, I, well, first of all, I can't handle alcohol as I used to. No, none uh, of us can. Yeah, num number two, it's the least calorie drink um, <laughs> that you can make. So okay. vodka soda, yeah. That sounds good. Um, mm -hmm. Okay, let me think. Um, 
I used to have a really good list of rapid fire songs and I'm forgetting all of them. Uh, would you rather swim in a pool or in the ocean? Ocean. And I think I know the answer to this, but which beaches do you prefer? Florida, California, or Chicago? Florida. <laughs> there, is, there are no beaches in Chicago. See, Charles says the same thing. I disagree. It's a perfectly good beach. There's sand and there's water. It's man-made, therefore <laughs> it's not real. What is the deal with Wonder Woman? Why is Wonder Woman the shit for you? Yeah, first of all, her movie's dropping on Christmas day. It's like the best Christmas ever. That's exciting. Um, yeah, you're like the second person to have asked me that recently. Like, oh, why yeah? her? Yeah, and my response is why not? I mean, <laughs> Um, if you think of the character, right, she was created in 1941, um, and the creator um, believed the answer to stopping war is by putting a woman uh, in a leadership position. He believed women were um, advanced beings compared to men. And wow. this is forward thinking, thinking um, for a man, right? In the 40s. In the 40s, yeah, it. exactly. Um, and the way the character has evolved is different from its origination. And she always stood for love and, and peace. Um, and even with her villains, when she would capture them, instead of putting them into jail, she would put them on a uh, uh, rehabilitation island where they would rehab the the villain. Oh, wow. So to me, you know, the messaging there has always been positive. Um, and then for me, why? I think, you know, growing up in the 80s, um, watching reruns, I think there were reruns of the Linda Carter original TV yeah. show, how can you not fall in love with her? Yeah. I mean, she was so gorgeous. Um, and, and then just watching super friends. Right. So that really exposed me to a lot of superheroes yeah. and then just being, um, a fan of the character and knowing what she stood for, um, relates a lot to me because, you know, she's all about, uh, you know, welcoming people and, and mm -hmm. loving people. So I believe in that kind of, um, a quality in an individual. So that's what I see in the character and, and next time you come visit me, you'll get to see my Wonder Woman room because I know I was going to say, where's the where's the Wonder Woman shrine? I think I did. Yeah, I did and one of the times I visited you, I was in the Wonder Woman room. <laughs> well, this is more now. So I bet. Yeah. 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 Well, anytime I see Wonder Woman stuff, I think like, does Mark have that? Maybe I need to buy that for him. Well, I still have the the magnets he gave me. They're on my fridge. So Aww. they're definitely here. Yeah. Nice. Every time I see them, I'm like, yay. Well, my... I, the elephant finally fell off my keychain, but that elephant keychain that you bought me back from oh. Thailand, I think it was from Thailand, but I had that thing forever. And I even still uh -huh. had it on my keys, even when it, you know, it wasn't silver anymore. <laughs> anymore. Um, but the elephant finally, finally fell off and I lost him. And that was a very oh. sad day, but I still have the little black skinny statue guy and uh, mm. the chopsticks are somewhere in this house. Um, okay. But I, I have those things. Those things will Aww. be forever. Um, great. Well, Mark, this has been so much fun, not just because I get to share you with my audience, but because it's always fun to catch up with a friend and especially one uh, with a history like like you and me. Um, yeah. Mark is well, a special, very special person in my life. So I'm very honored and, that you came on the show. And, 
And ditto, I adore you as an individual and I'm so happy after all these years we're still friends and keep Me in touch. Too. Despite the time difference, <laughs> oh. we make an effort to check in as, as much as we can. And, yeah. and I'm glad that you're well and I'm glad Charles is well because you know next uh, the next time we're allowed to travel, I definitely want to come visit. Yeah, well, I owe you about three trips for as many times as you've been out here, but we'll figure yes. it out. We'll, make well, it we'll figure it out. And then when Moulin Rouge, the musical comes, you, you have go. to come here. Yes, yes. you have it's to come a, It's a deal. It's a promise. Yeah. Okay, you guys, we've been talking right. with Mark Martell from University of Illinois in Chicago and who is the best karaoke duet partner in the history of the world. Um, Mark, thanks for being on the show today. Thank you for having me.